Welcome to The Gabby Ree Show, where we break down the complex worlds of health, fitness, family, business, and relationships with the world's leading experts. I'm your host, Gabby Reese, and I'm here to simplify these topics and give you practical takeaways that you can start using today. We all know that living a healthy, balanced life isn't always easy. Let's try working on managing life a little better and have some fun along the way. Because after all, life is just one big experiment and we're all doing our best. So we studied 7,000 people one by one to understand how do their habits relate to their innate genetic capacity to equal the net outcome, right? And so when it comes to mood and behavior, every time someone came to us for a breast cancer, Lyme disease, migraines, we always had to fix this first, the way they think, because their perception is often a good 30, 40, sometimes 50% of their problem. The way they see the world and with the way the world sees them makes it very difficult to heal. What I've learned about mental health and mood and behavior is that every single anxiety, depression, addiction, burnout problem is actually someone who was given a God-given gift of a superpower that is in the wrong context. That same thing that's making them feel horrible would make them feel absolutely incredible if they were in a context aligned to what they were designed for. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today is Kashif Khan. His nickname is Cash, and he has created an incredible company called The DNA Company. They're out of Canada. And what he's done because of his own journey. So Kashif had wicked psoriasis and eczema, and he was going to doctors and naturopaths and finally basically landed on genomics. And to be honest, to create this company is nothing short of a miracle. And what they have done is really give people another tool, another insight into how their body works. Because I think sometimes when we're going through something, the tendency is like you go to the doctor, they go, okay, we'll throw a pill at the symptom, but they don't ever really get to, and it's no fault of their own, but they never really get to the root cause. So he has a new book that's coming out tomorrow called The DNA Way. And he shares his own personal journey and what he found in that, for example, he doesn't methylate toxins very well. So if he was sleeping on a bad mattress and working above a construction site where there were chemicals or whatever it was that was starting to impact his overall health. He also did it for his family, for his sons, for a niece who was dealing with a once a month crisis. And when he started to peel back and understand that through our DNA, how do we sleep? What about our dopamine receptors? You know, all of these things that people could live in a better way. And what I love about the DNA way is he shares this with you. Then they also talk to you about situations to avoid, environments to go towards, and they even discuss supplementation for support. So it's very science driven, but the motivation because he got to heal himself and wanted to share it with everyone else. And the fact too, that they're working on really getting the cost down. And that I really appreciate because it's one thing to talk about all these ideas and people, oh, that's great, but you know, who can afford that? And now that they have really built the system that they're always updating, but really making this much more achievable for everyone to utilize this tool. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Kashif Khan. Kashif, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. Great to be here. 
So you have a really interesting story. You know, a lot of times I talked about we're organically kind of in this space and it, whether it's healthcare or what have you, but you, this for me felt like such a personal journey and um, which in a way makes it even more compelling because I, I feel like so many people experience this, but then you then had the opportunity not only to make a change in your own life, but even impact the people in your family. And so I would love if you could just share how you arrived at creating the DNA company and, and then that's coming out um, the DNA way, just how you arrived there, because this really wasn't your, your planned path. No. And here's the thing with most, call it like functional medicine or root cause medicine stories, it's usually the same story. If you talk to some great practitioner that heals Lyme disease or figured out breast cancer, you know, it, it's usually because everything failed them and they had to go figure it out. And that's what happened to me. I was in the startup business. I used to help startup companies grow. I would consult them and help them market and get their their media relations going, all that stuff. And I got super sick. Uh, I had crazy eczema where I couldn't open my left eye. It was literally sealed shut. I had psoriasis where if I would clasp my hands like this, my knuckles would bleed, right? It was that bad. Um, And I had migraines, debilitating gut issues and depression. Couldn't get out of bed on certain days. So my question to all these five doctors giving me five different pills, why is this all happening now? There must be a reason. It can't be a coincidence that five major calamities are all hitting me at the same time. And without hearing the exact words, the answer I got back was, we don't really do that here. You know, It's kind of like we figure out what it's called and we give you a pill. That drove me to heal myself because I didn't want to live like this forever. Right? And in a nutshell, if I fast forward like months and months of research and work and diving and Google and naturopathic doctors, et cetera, where I landed was, here's my human genetic code, my, my instruction manual that's telling my cells what to do. I was missing a few pages. And the pages I was missing were key detoxification processes. And my office building was sitting on top of a manufacturing company putting pollutants into the air. And that's the thing that triggered my inflammatory response, my autoimmune response, my gut issue. Like all of it started with the body dysfunctional. It's biology. It's not illness. And by understanding the root, I was able to reverse everything. And then I got my arthritic mom out of bed. And then I got my anxiety-induced niece back to school. And I got my troublemaking son thriving. At school. So I realized everybody has a story that requires some personalization. And we built the DNA company. You know, I have to say, though, like most people would dig to a certain degree, but I don't know that they'd say, oh, let's go all the way down to our DNA and even think that it would be possible to use that manual to do things like getting our kids to do homework or helping a teenager right before her cycle. Um, You know, even those two anecdotes, maybe you could share that because, you know, we live in a time where I also feel like, oh, we can, you know, people and you have a very interesting board of people that work with your company, but you know, I have this, it's like this mix between using technology, but then no matter what, there's still elements in our lifestyle that we have to constantly be inventing. Yeah. Um, I love the story about how you, you were talking about your two boys for very different reasons. You know, it was always the battle to do homework. And I know a lot of people <laughs> experience that. I mean, w- yeah. where did you get the thought to go? I'll look at their DNA. 
So everything I do now is processed that way, right? When I look at you, I'm already thinking about your hormones and your neurochemicals and like reverse engineering what you're made of because we've done this so many times. So that I'm just, it's how I'm wired now. So the tool, first of all, the first go around didn't work for me. I didn't get a DNA test and heal myself. I got a DNA test and didn't make any sense. It, it, it didn't work. And, I, and that's what led us to... I now know it's not about this gene means that. It's about what problem am I trying to solve and how can I inform my innate biology to solve that problem, right? I need to dig into the red flag. What job does my body not do well? And how is that causing that? And what you mentioned about my son, perfect example. So my middle son, drama queen when it came to homework, just wouldn't do it on the floor, screaming, panting, whatever. Uh, and you think about, you know, discipline, motivation, this kid's spoiled. Those are the thoughts that go through your head. And so I looked at his genetics to look at the mood and behavior profile. That's where you start because it seems like a dissimilar problem. And I didn't find anything that really poked out and said like, here, this is why he doesn't do it. I then looked for any random red flag that was an extreme. And what did I find? TCF7L2, the gene that determines your insulin response, he had the worst possible version. AMY1, the gene that determines your starch response, your ability to take starch from your food, convert it into glucose, and use it as fuel. Worst possible response. Dinner time was right before homework every day. In a South Asian home where we ate rice almost daily. And he was suffering a carb crash and basically in a coma being told, go do some math. So that one tweak was the difference between this kid has ADHD, this kid can't focus, all these labels versus his metabolic pathway isn't designed for his meal plan and the scheduling is off. Flip that all around and he has no problem anymore. There was no problem. We just weren't feeding him the right food at the right time. Right. And then just one more analogy and then I want to dive in to the book and, and just some of your thoughts about uh, genomics and, and personalized med medicine sure. and where that's going. Your, your niece was having, you know, it, you know, it, I think you're in the perfect family actually to do this because of your culture <laughs> and it's, there's a togetherness. Like in our family, yeah. if someone was acting crazy, you'd be like, Oh, they're yeah, of course. Like that's how we are, you know, but in a way, yeah. the fact that your family, you know, maybe culturally there's sort of a level of, of composure and like how we conduct ourselves, but you had a niece who was really uh, having a, a, a tough go and your mom was like, yeah. Hey. Yeah. So my mom and my niece and my sister live together and my mom still runs the show. Right. Uh, so my niece had an anxiety attack. She couldn't breathe. And they called me, like you said, we're tightly knit. And so I went over there and I said, yeah, it looks like it, but it was kind of gone. She had passed it and she, she, she said she had trouble breathing. So I called a friend who's a pediatrician and he said, everything you just described sounds like the classic anxiety attack and we're seeing so many of them. This is pretty common. If it happens again, let me know. That's where it ended. So about a month later, it happened again. And this time my niece fell over and she hit the table on her way down. She truly couldn't breathe. And my mom was calling me saying, take her to the hospital because she may have broken, a, she couldn't walk. She wasn't able to walk. So she may have broken something. So take her to the hospital, call my pediatrician friend in Canada. Healthcare is free, but you have to wait eight hours to see somebody. So I called my friends and get me in. So we spent six hours at the hospital, blood test scans, looked at the bone, no problems. I was told if it happens again, let us know. 
So that was the point where I realized, okay, she's going to be diagnosed with anxiety and she's going to be given a pill. I got to look at her genome and I got to figure this out because I had her genetics run. I just hadn't used them for this particular problem. I went, went, I went back to work and I didn't do anything about it. Busy uncle. So a month later, my mom calls me and she said she was crying and she said, your niece has run away from home. And you have to understand nobody here has met her, but completely out of character, sweet, innocent young girl that doesn't want to personally doesn't want to go outside by herself. Like mom, come with me. That's how sweet and innocent, right? So I get over there. They're in an apartment building. She's standing outside kind of looking around. And for her, that's like running away from home. And I ask her, what is, is it like, is it a boy? Is it social media? You know, it, what's going on? Is it homework? Are you too pressured? And she didn't even know what the problem was. She was just needing to get out of that space and run away from the feeling and feel the sense of relief. Like, okay, I'm away from there, but she still didn't feel right. So she didn't leave. Anyways, I literally at that point on my phone, opened her report, which I had in my email, and I started to look for red flags. And the first thing that popped up was her hormones. And that's when this light bulb went off. And I looked at the text messages and called from my mom and they were like clockwork monthly. Right. And so I asked my mom, what part of her cycle was she in when you were calling me? He said, it's funny you mentioned that because it was just about to start. Right. So at this time she was 13. So my mom and my sister were, were very close with my niece and dealing with her menstrual cycle, very new to her. Right. So they said, all that clockwork at the very beginning. My niece is more probably like yourself, more androgen dominant, more testosterone, right? More androgenized. That's why you have the, you know, pronounced jawline, that type of thing. Those are features of androgenization. The beginning of the menstrual cycle is when you have the least hormones. You just got rid of all of them in the cycle, right? And now her delta value of I have no hormones is a much deeper valley to go into. Right. Right. So now why did it happen at this time? Because she had been having her cycle for a good seven or eight months, I think, at that point. Well, this was during peak COVID lockdown in Toronto, which had the longest lockdown of the world. During the winter, and she hadn't been outside in four months, which meant zero vitamin D. Literally none. Mm -hmm. When I looked at the genetics of her vitamin D, there's three steps to metabolizing it. There's, I need to get the D2 out of the sun and convert it into D3 and put it in my blood. That's step one. There's a gene that does that. There's a gene that then transports it to the cell to get, get it ready to, to use. Sorry. And then there's a binding gene. Vitamin D is the only micronutrient that's this, that's this complex. Most of them, there's one gene, converts it, you use it. But because it's potentially toxic, and because our ancestors spent so much time in the sun, they needed to mitigate the usage of it. So all three steps for her, horrible. So she wasn't in the sun, and the little bit of, that she got from food, she wasn't even able to use. Vitamin D regulates the expression of 10% of human biochemistry. You have 22,000 genes that make up your genome. 2,000 of them need vitamin D to function all these functions in your body. So she was already not feeling right because of the hormones. Add on top of that, all these genes are mis malfunctioning because they don't have this key micronutrient. Then why did it trigger this anxiety response? Just like her entrepreneurial uncle, she has difficulty experiencing pleasure and reward because her dopamine, dopamine receptors are near non-existent. There's a gene called DRD2 that determines how dense these receptors are. 
And for her, slim to none, just like me. So it's very hard for her to experience pleasure and reward, which makes me entrepreneurial, that warrior mentality. I need more. But it can also make you addictive. It can also make you depressed because you just don't get to feel. Layer on top of that, the last thing I'll tell you about this story, there's a gene called COMPT, which helps produce this enzyme or protein that clears the dopamine. And we both, me and my niece, have the super fast version of that. So we're feeling it way down here. And before the thing you're trying to do is even done, it's already gone. So that's the context she was in. Now, in that third instance, typically what it would have happened, and how many young women have the same story, she would have been on an anxiety pill. She would have been diagnosed and maybe more. All I did was give her L-theanine to boost her dopamine levels. I gave her some cold exposure to boost her dopamine levels. I gave her high dose vitamin D, 10,000 IU, but I split it because remember, she doesn't transport it efficiently. So I had to give her multiple doses so she could actually get each dose delivered to the cell. And that was it. In the worst case, if that didn't work, I would have given her a birth control pill, which I did really didn't want to do to, as an acute response, boost her estrogens. There's other ways to do it, but that's like the emergency band-aid, right? And then you could have balanced it later, but we didn't need it. So it's been two years. She has not had this problem one day since then, right? So how many, not even young women, mature people, older people, like all these mood and behavior issues that we think are innate that we have, most of what we find are non-existent once we get down to the root of what's actually triggering all this. You know, when I hear you talk about this and after reading your book, it's such an interesting like dance between, you know, our spirit, our soul, the organic part of us, you know, and chemistry. And yeah. it, it's a it's almost a reconciliation of really accepting some things about and getting in touch with our chemistry so we in fact can be our better selves, but it's also like you talking about the dopamine receptors. It's like in a way that is who you are. So before, yeah. you know, Maybe a girlfriend or a wife is like, wow, you're very, you know, there's sort of an evenness about you and you're really driven. But for us to also get in touch with, yes, and my chemistry is, because I don't think our chemistry is fixed, but also working from a place where we understand it better, I think we can understand ourselves better. Oh, hugely. I would say that of all we've we've dealt with thousands of people during our research phase so seven we studied 7000 people that's why we have these insights and this was what was missing was okay we understand all these genes and here's a report that tells you about your genes but that didn't really move the needle on anything other than you got an 80% chance of alzheimer's good luck how does that really help me so we studied 7000 people one by one to understand how do their habits relate to their innate genetic capacity to equal the net outcome Right. And so when it comes to mood and behavior, every time someone came to us for breast cancer, Lyme disease, migraines, we always had to fix this first. The way they think, because their perception is often a good 30, 40, sometimes 50 percent of their problem. The way they see the world and with the way the world sees them makes it very difficult to heal. Uh, And you're exactly right that here's this innate chemistry. Here's how you make the chemical. Here's how you bind the chemical. Here's how you clear, clear the chemical. If I have your DNA, I don't ever need to talk to you to understand your personality to a T. I can already tell you how you behave, how you're going to react in a situation. Do you procrastinate? Are you flaky? Everything about you, right? Is it's Because the chemicals can't lie. Now, 
what you said, the epigenetics, my environment, my nutrition, my lifestyle. Keep in mind what I said about myself. The same profile is a risk for addiction. It's also a risk for depression. It's also a risk for achievement. And I've had all three of those because I've been in different contexts in different parts of my life. So I'm wired to be a warrior. But when I was young, I wasn't in that context and I became an addict. Right? So you have to understand, it starts with, like you said, starts with understanding the innate chemistry. Who am I? What's this mental map? What's my hormone map? What's my cardiovascular map? Then understanding if I have these habits, here's where I'm going to end up. If I have these habits, here's where I'm going to end up. It becomes a choice at that point if you first understand the root. I uh, I really appreciate it in the book. And maybe we can just kind of, I'd love to, and I'd love to use you as the, as the example sure. as you do in the book. Cause then it gives, like you said, that context for people, you know, just how this whole thing starts out and what you do put in the book. And I want to say this is you do habits to have habits to avoid, and you talk about supplementation. Right. So it isn't just, you know, here's your blood work and here you go. It really is a much more comprehensive and thorough conversation because I think about that. I mean, I'm married to somebody who I believe if my husband didn't find his path, he would be easily a person who would be in jail or dead, you know? And I think that's right. <laughs> true to so many, especially people who have yeah. like the extra capacity, they can, yeah. you know, and like you said, that context and getting ourselves in that environment. So I have to ask, how do you go about creating though? Cause that is a daunting undertaking the DNA company? Where do you, I mean, how do you even start that and know? Yeah, it was pain. It's like Elon Musk said, chewing on broken glass. You know, <laughs> that's what it felt like for three years. So really, what did we do? We said that I went through this journey and I realized that my whole family got better. I found this incredible scientist named Dr. Mansour Mohammed, who was sitting in a lab working on this stuff. I found an incredible functional medicine practitioner named Dr. Bryce Wild. And I realized that there's all these pieces floating around that could solve the problem. I got to put them together. And nobody in the biotech world, from the genetic world, wanted to get involved because they said that's not what genetics does. Genetics is for genetic conditions. Genetics is for ancestry. Genetics is for risk. Genetics doesn't tell you what supplements to take. They didn't believe that was true. Right? So I realized I had to fund this myself. So I literally walked away from my marketing company gave it to my business partner, said, I found what I have to work on. You keep this thing that we built for the last 10 years, to be fair to you. And I'm going to build this. And, and so we funded the research for a good year and a half. And then people started to see, and who then invested to fund the balance of the research? The people that we healed. In the very beginning, this was expensive. It was thousands of dollars, sometimes 10, 20, sometimes $50,000 for somebody to go through the entire, because there's these expensive scientists working on them for months. When they had that experience, they're like, how do we get this to everybody? You know, business leaders, professional athletes, celebrities, all these people. We're now at a point where there's an artificial intelligence program that has all of the insights built in. So the test is self-interpreted. It's all built in. That same $10,000 experience is built into the test. So it got funded by the doctors and patients that were using it. And we went into this really unique model. I never went to a venture capital firm or a biotech researching institution or a hospital to partner on a study uh, because there was so much passion behind the healing that it just, it flowed and it got funded itself. 
And so that created a lot of relief to then go build what we actually had to go build, which is how do we make genetics easy? I should get something that when I look at it, I understand it. How do I make it actionable? Don't only tell me what's wrong, but tell me what to do. And that's what was gen- genetics was missing. So the reports, like you said, and, and the book is my personal example of here's what's broken, but guess what? I also know how to fix it. So it becomes my human instruction manual for wellness and longevity. I'd love to know how you guys pick the buckets. I mean, there's some obvious, but like the cardiovascular yeah. health, your, you know, your ability for methylation, just kind of all of the things. What was the process into kind of saying, okay, we're going to chunk out these things and then the process of picking which specific things you're going to, genes you're going to test for? Yeah, that's really important because most, so there's some things we test for that nobody tests for, like the hormone cascade, for example. And there's a lot of things that everybody tests for as a standard that we don't bother looking at. And we understand how to solve problems because we worked with 7,000 patients and we filtered out all the noise, things like BRCA, which we can get into, which we don't even bother looking at. It's probably the most spoken of gene for women. Here's your risk for breast cancer. Here's your risk for ovarian cancer. We don't even bother looking at it. And I can get into explaining why. But those buckets that you're talking about, 14 of the 15 top killers in the United States, the reason why people die are all rooted in one thing, inflammation. That's it. That's the driver. Now, whether you're going to get cardiovascular disease, cancer, dementia, all the killers is just depending what hardware is not doing well. What are your habits, right? It's all rooted in the same thing. If there was no inflammation, you couldn't have got sick. And guess what? The the one that's left over the 15th one is medical error. It's a doctor making a mistake and killing you, which is actually the number three cause of death, by the way, after cardiovascular disease and cancer. Because chronic disease is so complex and just treating the symptom isn't enough. You have to understand what the systems are doing to fail. So in that thinking, we realize here's the core systems that inform inflammation and cellular health, where everything starts, which is your hormones, because you can have good hormones, you can have toxic hormones, you can have too many hormones, not enough hormones, right? All that stuff affects it. Then your innate hardware, you have to know what's actually going to get triggered. Do I have good cardiovascular hardware? Do I have good ability to deal with amyloid plaque in my brain? What's going on there, right? Do I deal with insulin well? Those types of things. Mood and behavior, your neurochemicals, because again, drastically changes the outcome. Stress can cause cancer, and I can explain why. So if you're experiencing chronic stress, you can then trigger the inflammation to create the disease. We look at diet nutrition. Do you metabolize fats? Should you be on a keto diet? Should you be a vegan? Do you actually make the enzymes to break down chickpeas, peas, lentils, legumes, or not? Uh, and then we deal with innate immunity. So everything around how does your cell function from the mitochondria to the removal of toxins to fighting inflammation, which is what we call methylation. And the last thing is sleep. Why can't you sleep? And there's no single answer for that. The genetics of it are highly variable. So we realized as we were treating these 7,000 people, every time we solve the problem, it fit into one of these buckets, right? And the, the noise about BRCA and all these other things, we didn't need to look at anymore. And now we can truly fix the system, which then lets the cell thrive, which means there's no inflammation and you can't get a chronic disease. 
So let's let's talk about then one step further of kind of testing for certain genes. And maybe we can just give some examples because it was it's so fascinating. Just, you know, like you were talking about body types, it must be kind of annoying to be, you know, in a relationship with you because you're like, oh, based on your muscularity, <laughs> your baldness, or your ability to let things go, I know what you have going on. But maybe we could just, you know, kind of talk about that process where you got tested and also you know, there's parts of us that don't want to know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like we yes, want to know. It makes perfect sense. Want to know. And so, did you ever go through the experience of being like, "Oh man, I I have all this information on myself," and you do have to make certain changes or or whatever? Were you just straight ahead all the time? So there's there's two parts there. First of all, genetics 101. The problem and why most people say I don't want to know is because it's tr literally you have a 60% chance of breast cancer right. and then pause. <laughs> now what? Right. right. What What am I going to do with that? You just gave me anxiety, which is probably going to create the cancer. Right. So what we're saying is that we've gone far beyond that now. It's it's not about propensity or percentages. It's here's what your body's doing. And maybe we'll use, a, I'll, I'll finish the answer, but maybe use BRAC as an example to explain exactly that. You know, so here's what your body's doing. So here's exactly why you can heal. But for me, yes, it is partly because of my neurochemical behavior that I can't help. But I have what we call high functioning anxiety. And what is that? That is, and, and we this is some this is a profile that we created in in terms of neurochemical pathways. So I don't feel pleasure or reward. So I'm constantly driven towards more. I want more. Whatever I did yesterday isn't good enough for me anymore. I also have a dysregulated uh, relationship with serotonin. So it's very difficult for me to deal with the world as appropriate for whatever's happening. Funny joke, bad news, it's over or under reacting because my serotonin response is dysregulated, which means I'm highly sensitive to the details, the nuances, mm -hmm. which causes me to see more than the people around me are seeing. Right? I also have a poor adder to be response, which means that I'm more likely to bind emotions associated with adrenaline response. So the things that are impactful, car accident, fight, whatever, I actually imprint the feeling, the, the, the emotion from it. And so that combination leads to this, it's never enough. And I see every little detail, everything bugs me, right? I'm all constantly irritated about not progressing. And I had this EQ where I had this desire to help people and wanting to do it also. It's not only a need, it's also a want. High functioning anxiety. I just have to work, 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 work until it's finished and it's never finished. Right. So that was for me, it, it became very easy to plow through all this stuff and make it myself the guinea pig. Mm -hmm. In knowing in knowing that about yourself, what are the things you avoid and what are the things you practices you've put in place to protect yourself and your life, because your relationships? And then I'm curious what supplementation supports sort of keeping that in a place that still works in the positive for you so you get to a point where just like so yourself there you start off training where it's like highly regimented and there's a protocol and there's a notebook recording everything and eventually you get to understand your body right and you get to know what you actually need on that day right and and your shoulder day might not be a shoulder day it's the same thing with supplementation i have a drawer full of stuff and I used to, like clockwork, take it as prescribed by my DNA. But I now know that if I'm going on an airplane today and I'm going to be in an EMF capsule 
that's going to be affecting my cells, I'm taking a detox supplement and a methylation supplement. I, and I might take a higher dose than I do on a normal day. I now know that if I'm going to be you know, training with a good friend and overtraining, like we're playing basketball and we're going to the gym and it's going to be a tough day, I'm going to take some mitochondrial support that day, a little bit extra. Right? I now know if I have to speak on stage, I'm going to take some brain-drive neurotrophic, neurotropic factor support to drive neurogenesis, to have my brain in a healthier state. So there's my daily regimen. I never skip vitamin D. I never skip vitamin C because it's a super potent antioxidant. And I take a high dose that's a slow drip. So I'm constantly getting it all day. I never miss my omega because it does so many things. Uh, and I never miss my nitric oxide. I also have a combo that I made for myself that has like NMN and PQQ and you pick, uh, resveratrol and some cellular health stuff in it, so longevity stuff. I never miss that. Now, everything else, my detox, methylation, uh, mitochondrial support, brain support, all those nuanced things, I take as I know my body needs and feels it. And I'm not suggesting you do that on day one, but that's where you need to get to. And you will. You will. As you go through this stuff, you'll get there, right? The biggest thing for me is I think was in understanding my environmental stressors, which I was completely clueless about prior to diving into my DNA and understanding that the things that I was breathing, the things that I was putting on my skin, the mattress that I was sleeping on, these were the things that were making me sick. You know, you don't even think about, okay, I'm on memory foam. Every time I roll over, I'm popping little air bubbles that are off-gassing toxic gas that I'm breathing for eight hours at a time. You don't even think that when you go golfing, you're breathing pesticides in this beautiful golf course for four or five hours. You don't even think that I just got my my home cleaned by something or some, whatever, and I'm not going to breathe that thing in. So that was the biggest aha moment for me that reduced the inflammation the most, was understanding the environmental threats and what jobs my body did well there and where I needed to focus. You know, when they talk about methylation or detoxing, and there, you, know, you have a whole chapter about that, what people don't realize, like, even heavy metals and things like that, there's people who they can get it out of their system pretty quickly and there's people who yeah. can't. Just for curiosity, what type of mattress are you sleeping on? Skincare, everybody, no one believes that we're basically eating it. Yeah. What are the products that you've leaned into that really support you? So I, I found, I'm in Toronto and I found a company that makes um, organic mattresses. And what do they use? So the, the 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 real threat on the mattress, if it's not memory foam, it's the fire retardant that's sprayed on it. Uh, and California, by the way, is one of the worst places for that because the, the regulations are a lot stricter, the requirement for the fire retardants. Uh, so it's really important to have an organic mattress there. So they're typically made out of a pure rubber. So they, they take rubber from the tree and make it right there on site. And they're making what looks like a foam, but it's just a, a, the right density of rubber. And often there's, you know, there's organic cotton. Sometimes they have animal hair to allow it to breathe. That made a big difference for me. And then that, that caused me to look at everything else. And this is a key, by the way, to anyone that's trying to fix everything. You don't do everything on day one. You start with small habits, right? And you do one thing, do one thing right for a week. And it becomes so much easier to do the second thing and the third thing. And then eventually it's an identity change. It goes from, hey, I, I started training to I go to the gym. It's it's part of my identity. And that takes weeks. So don't rush it. Right? Allow it to happen. But sorry to answer your question. Yeah, I, I think another big one for me was learning how to sleep properly. Because my serotonin is dysregulated, I can't sleep at night is not enough of an answer. It's I can't fall asleep. 
because my circadian rhythm, the genetics of how my clock works is broken. And that's not me, by the way, but there's some people that have that problem where we can actually determine how efficiently their clock works, which prevents them from falling asleep at night. And whether it's blue light from the laptop or some other stimulus, their brain doesn't understand what time it is, right? Ancestrally, our ancestors used to see their amber glow of fire every single night. And that's what it would actually trigger the binding of melatonin and allow you to sleep. And we don't see that anymore. We see the opposite. We see blue. If your circadian rhythm is great, you're still okay, but a lot of us aren't doing well there. The second bucket, which I'm in, is my serotonin response is off. So whereas the amber glow of fire tells your brain to bind melatonin, the peachy glow of sunlight coming through the window, piercing through your eyelid, is what triggers the binding of serotonin, which is supposed to wake you up. Now, my serotonin is dysregulated, which means that my brain can't prioritize stimulus. So anything that happens in that second half of sleep, which is more the production, like I'm making all my hormones and neurochemicals for the next day, whether it's too hot, too cold, somebody's foot touched me, there's a weird sound, weird smell, all of that stuff, my brain's like, is it time yet? No, it's not. Is it time yet? No, it's not. It's, and that will just keep going on. So I learned that. I was solving the wrong problem. I was taking a melatonin pill, doing deep breathing right before sleeping, doing all this stuff that was solving the I can't fall asleep problem, which was not my problem. And now I fix this, my actual problem, and I sleep amazing. How did you fix the second part of not being able to stay asleep? So this is a big part of what we did. The, the genetic research didn't have these answers. So I had to go to the biohacking community, to functional medicine, to naturopaths, to learn what they did that worked, and then plug it into the genetic profiles that needed it. Right. So here, it's Dave Asprey or Ben Greenfield talks about something incredible. I got to now figure out why does that work at the biochemical level so I can offer it to the right person. So for me, I've learned that our ancestors used to sleep in caves and be constantly worried about being eaten by a wolf while they were sleeping, right? So the feeling of safety, so that serotonin dysregulation is actually a coping mechanism to be alert and responding. So I would have been the guy sitting at the front of the cave that was constantly monitoring for everybody else, right? So now that I, I, I acquired a weighted blanket, which gives me that sense of safety, I'm not actually feeling safe, but my body is being signaled, that organ, your skin, head to toe, feeling that weight and safety allows my brain to know, okay, it's okay, I can, keep sleep, I can still keep sleeping. But then you overheat. So I got a mattress cooler. And the mattress cooler is a thin layer that goes above your mattress, flows cold water through it, which mimics what it's like to sleep in a cave, cold ground with a dense, heavy fur blanket, right? And now I get this deep, restful sleep, zero light leakage. If the kids are up for some early for some reason, I got earplugs. I have a light mask that has like these donuts around it so it doesn't actually touch my eye, you know? So it's not a pretty sight, but it's my sleep cocoon that allows me to stay in that state. And there's also supplementation. So I know that it's difficult for me to stay in that. So I take things like GABA, uh, 5-HTP, the gene that regulates serotonin is called 5-HTTLPR. The supplement that regulates it is called 5-HTP. So I take the right supplements right before going to sleep that give me an elongated, deep, restful sleep as opposed to knock me out. I don't work with this company, but I will tell you because my husband sleeps with it as well. Chili Pad makes a weighted cold blanket yes. as well. It's 13 pounds. 
and he has a chili. He calls it the, his his chili burrito. He has the pad and the blanket, <laughs> and he's like, and every once in a while, I'll like stick my toe in there, and I'm like, who can sleep in that cold and heavy of an environment? But it does exist. I I really appreciate that. Let's let's just talk about you know your cardio. Let's use cardiovascular health because it's so important. Um, sure. You know, we talked about the methylation, and I think that's really really important. But maybe we could just talk about cardiovascular. If you were going to come in and someone's going to test their cardiovascular yeah. health, what genes would they be looking at, and you know, what would that sort of what does that story look like? So this is one of the places where we eliminated a lot of noise. All this stuff around you have this percentage risk of whatever, right? Oh, you're, you have a family history of cardiovascular disease. Uh, to me, that's all nonsense. What you have is maybe poor detox, poor methylation, something that's triggering inflammation. Now, the one thing you may have cardiovascularly, keep in mind that most cardiovascular disease doesn't happen in the heart. It usually happens in the arteries. They get calcified, blocked, you know, all that type of stuff because they get inflamed. And why they get inflamed? The, the endothelial, the inner lining, the blood vessel, we have different qualities. Some of us have stainless steel, highly resilient, you know, grandma smoking till she's 100 years old saying that this here's my supplement that I take every day, right? Versus the 38-year-old on Lipitor. How is that possible? Because the 38-year-old maybe has a bad quality endothelial lining. And so the reality of today with all the chemicals, pesticides, et cetera, they may be causing that inflammation here much more rapidly than that 90-year-old woman who has a resilient that can take more of a beating. When you get inflammation here, your body will actually deploy cholesterol as a hormone to reduce the inflammation. That's why it's sent there. And now there's two other factors to consider. Your APOE gene and how effectively you actually transport lipids. If you don't do that well, it's going to build up. The second thing to consider, if toxins cause the inflammation here to begin with, the toxins also oxidize the cholesterol, and then it hardens, and then it deposits, and it builds up. So this thing that we eventually treat at the symptom level of you have cholesterolemia, and you know, lipids are the number one prescribed medication in the United States, a cardiovascular disease is the number one killer, 50% of people are expected to have a cardiovascular disease now, has nothing to do with the heart. It all has to do with endothelial inflammation was, is entirely preventable. If I test a five-year-old kid and I see their profile, I can tell them exactly what habits to have that this would never happen. But I could also tell them what habits to have that it's guaranteed to happen. And one last thing I'll say about it, it's a much bigger problem in women. So women, 66% of women will die on their first cardiovascular event without even having any previous warning signs or symptoms. They didn't even know that they were sick and they'll get their first heart attack and die. Men, it's a tiny fraction of that, more likely to recover. Because women, for the most part that we've seen, are also dealing with estrogen toxicity. So not only are you dealing with this external source of toxins coming in, you're also making a toxin every month. And take on top of that the birth control pill and the hormone disruptors and the phthalates and the chemicals and the parabens on your cosmetics and all these estrogen mimics that increase that load, then you're creating way too much of this toxic byproduct from the estrogen, which then leads to more inflammation. And you wonder why there's so much breast cancer and women fare so much worse with cardiovascular disease and dementia and things along those lines. So again, inflammation, inflammation, inflammation. You have to understand why inflammation sort of appears in your body, the personalized why. I love the idea, and I have three daughters, of catching things early and then sort of saying, hey, listen, 
you'll fare better if you sort of do these things and avoid those things. But if somebody comes in and they're 40, 50, whatever, and they, they get this understanding, is it your, have you witnessed people really with these better practices being able to either stave off real serious things or even, you know, kind of turn around, you know, health areas that they were heading? So in our clinical practice, so on the one end, we've reversed hundreds of chronic diseases, taken people off of insulin, taken people off of Lipitor, hundreds and hundreds. We've also predicted in people, here's what's coming. A good friend of mine named Joe Sagatan, who's in the financial industry here in Toronto, I actually had our office call him because he wasn't taking me seriously, saying, you are going to have a stroke very soon. And guess this this guy, by the way, looks like The Rock. He looks like Dwayne Johnson. He's a Samoan guy that just looks like he's, he works out every day, eat, never smokes, never drinks. Everything is perfect. All his habits are great. When I looked at his profile and understood that he doesn't understand by going downtown and breathing in pollution every day on layered on top of his profile equals cardiovascular inflammation, we called him and said that you're likely to have a stroke. You need to deal with this now. You're not taking your friend cash seriously. You got to work on this. He didn't answer the phone. Eventually, his wife answered the phone a few weeks later saying he just had a stroke. Mm-hmm. This guy was, I think, uh, he was 50 at the time. So he's a little bit older than me. And it, it happened. It was so easy to see that if I, I understood his habits, once I saw his genetics, I was like, oh, wow, this does not add up. Right. So now take that back to a 30 year old. This should have never happened. Right. Take that back to a 10 year old. Here's your human playbook. Here's all of what you should be doing and all what you should not be doing for you. Not general advice, not I watched some YouTube video and some guy said this worked for him, but here's your instructions. None of these things should ever happen. Mm. And I think, you know, you, you say this in the book where you even talk about testing, you know, your relationships and, and sleep and, you know, kind of all of that, those elements, I think we ignore, I don't want to say we ignore, but we've just accepted in the way that we live. Hey, it's stressful. It's hard. We're busy. I'm under it. And I, I think that this is a, a business like yours is almost a reaction to the world that we've created because we have, we're not looking at the fire anymore. And so I, I think that I, I just really appreciate going back to, we are all very different. Can, can we talk about the idea about nutrition and DNA and diet. I know we mentioned, you you talked about, okay, if you're vegetarian, what if somebody isn't geared up, let's just say, to really eat like a vegetarian, but they, for whatever, uh, I'm not one of these people, but for, you know, kind of moral issues, they don't want to eat anything with eyeballs, right? Or anything with a mother. You know, is there a way even within that to go, okay, then you better be supplementing with this, this, and this? Yeah. In in general, for anything that we can uncover genetically, there's two dials you can turn. So there's your body doesn't do this job well. So you need to remove all these things from your life. Right. And there's a lot of that when it comes to genetics. Or it's, I can't remove this stuff from my life. So here's a supplement you need to take to support the job that your body doesn't do well. Ideally, you're doing both of these things. So if you are that person that, and I've, I have a friend who's a, a oncologist, a, a clinician, who we pinpointed the day she became sick, which she couldn't figure out, was the day she became vegan. 
It was very clear in her genetics. And she was teaching all of her patients that they all need to be vegan because meat causes cancer in, in, based on her belief, right? And so we, we paired it back to that thing, but she didn't want to give it up because for her, it was an ethical, moral question. Well, then let's look at the gene pathways that are being disrupted and what supplements do you need to take? The way she metabolized B12, so she was taking a B12 supplement because that's one thing that vegans typically do because you're not getting any meat, which means no B12. The supplement that she was taking she didn't have the genes to absorb it in the gut. So she was literally just mm -hmm. peeing it out. This thing that you could buy in any store, which you would think is normal, but for her, no. The genes for her is she absorbs B12 under her tongue. Why? Because her ancestors probably didn't eat beef. They probably ate more sheep and lamb, where it's a pre, what we call methylated form of B12 that literally, that's why grandma says chew your food because you're literally absorbing nutrients as you're chewing, depending on how your genes are. So we had to switch up our B12. You know, we had to then supplement with not only uh, that, but also vitamin D. So she also, you know, because she stopped eating dairy, which she lived on before, she loved cheese and dairy. And that was one of the reasons she actually became vegan because it didn't make her feel so well. Uh, so we had to supplement her very appropriately with vitamin D, meaning not just go get some, but here's the dose and here's how many times a day and here's what time of day you should be doing it. So very specific. And, and there was more, but all of a sudden you're like, okay, I can't give up this habit. Well, then we're going to have to arm your body with the ability to support this habit. And both are possible. Ideally you remove it, but you can live with it if you need to. And, you know, Kashif, you also mentioned, and I thought this was interesting, that in proteins that there's sometimes, you know, like, toxins in either the preparation or the production. So like barbecuing, yeah. like something charred or smoky, smoked meat, let's say. You guys can even tell, like you personally, I think, right? You can't yes. really, cons it's not great for you to consume meat that's maybe smoked or has the, the burnt bits. Yes. Yeah. So there's, there's a gene called GSTM1. So your listeners are probably familiar with glutathione, this potent detoxifying nutrient. And glutathione operates by genes that direct it to work in certain areas of your body. So your lungs are this first line defense. So there's a gene that tells glutathione to go there and find all the toxins before they enter the bloodstream. Your gut is also a first line defense. You eat things, things come in. I don't have that gene. That's one of the pages that was torn out. So GSTM1, there's a unique type of variant called a copy number variation. So it's not a mutation or a variant or a SNP as it's called. It's lit, it, I don't even have the gene to measure. It's like non-existent. So this job of preventing toxins from entering my gut tract and eventually into my blood, my body doesn't do when I eat them. So when I eat barbecued charred meat with black, you know, carcinogenic material, it causes me crazy inflammation. It goes directly into my bloodstream. It causes, for, for someone who it's a one out of 10 problem, for me, it's a nine out of 10 problem, right? Same thing is true of eating food out of a package. When you think about the plastic seeping in, uh, for some people, no problem. For me, it will cause a migraine, right? It's The same thing is true of, I didn't understand when I was eating hummus for lunch, when I had my downtown office, thinking that this is good, healthy stuff, why I would get a crazy migraine. Because in order to process and ship chickpeas quickly, they use these chemicals to dry them, right? And then they re-soak them. And they, so that chemical is a potent neurotoxin. And my gut didn't block it. So it would cause me these crazy migraines. That was part of my story of why I had the migraine. So we're very, it's, and, and this is why it's difficult to say, well, you feel like this, you feel like this. Why do I feel like this? We're not the same. 
the habits we're wired right. for are not the same, even within the same family, by the way. Even you and your sibling might not be the same. It's that unique, right? So we, we have a family we dealt with where they were the mother was uh, extremely sick and diagnosed with Lyme disease. We came in and said she does not have Lyme disease. This has to do with her detox system. And we found out that it was mold. And the family said, it can't be mold because none of us are sick, only her. And we said, yeah, because only her has this gene profile that can't cope with the mold. You kids all got your dad's profile, right? So even within that household, someone was diagnosed, by the way, and taking medication for Lyme disease that they didn't even have. talk about that your sleep you do talk also and i love this part i mean only because i mean I, I think it's so important working out you've dealt with athletes where you know the training isn't worth working for them and actually training less in certain ways would give them better results can can we talk a little bit about just the different types of body types and you know how it works for different people at different things. Yeah, so we what we've learned, I would say a big one there is recovery. So for me, well, let's speak in general terms so that how this applies to everybody. I've, I've found that one of the big problems that we see in training is that people are on the treadmill doing what they think they're supposed to do. Why do you have this phenomenon of soccer players dropping dead 35 while they're on the field? This is a Olympic sprinters. You've seen this story over and over again. Mitochondrial function is genetically unique. There's a gene called SOD2 that will determine how well your mitochondria actually eliminates the, the free radicals, the oxidants you produce by utilizing oxygen as fuel. And some of us, in fact, a lot of us don't do that so efficiently. There's a gene called GSTT1, which is an internal traffic source in your, in your blood that's looking for toxins that have got past these lines of defense, finding them. So if you have bad GSTT1 and you don't clear toxins from your blood, if you have bad SAW2 and don't deal with mitochondrial function well, and you're training cardiovascularly five times a day, and you have that bad endothelial we were talking about, you have the root of why you would have crazy inflammation here. And when you're a 30-year-old Olympic athlete, no one's testing for cardi cardiovascular disease. Best trainers, best diet, best everything. Nobody would even think that you have a crazy cholesterol issue, right? This is what's going on with these people. Uh, now you layer on top of that testosterone, which exaggerates some of this response. And you would think that it's beneficial, but it's not. So we can. that's just one area. Right. When it comes to training, um, I've learned that my testosterone clearance is hyper-fast. So I get rid of my testosterone uh, very early in the day. And so when I was training, uh, I wasn't getting the full benefit. Now when I lift in the morning, I'm literally lifting 10, 15 pounds more because my testosterone levels are so much higher and I'm recovering faster. Right. So I've learned that my circadian rhythm of hormone metabolization is much faster than the average man. I have it. It's there to use, but it doesn't last very long. So little insights like that to truly personalize your training. And I could go on. There's many of them. You no, know, I was going to say the other thing that you mentioned that I thought was really interesting was that, you know, for certain men, like if they did the run at the end of the day, they, they're prone, right. you know, being injured less often. So just these, you know, I want to, 
this, these sort of personalized insights, you really talk a lot about the innovation around personalized medicine, but also kind of, is there the, going to be the opportunity to bridge? Cause this typically, like you said, the tests were very expensive. It's still a cost, but do you feel what you're feeling about making this for the future for sort of, you know, as available to people as possible? Because the tricky thing is, is once we have the information compliance, right, getting people to, to get this new identity. Yeah. Um, and, and then also the medical field wanting it to happen, because if all, if we start dialing into like, Hey, I feel pretty good and I'm not getting sick. So I, I just would love to know kind of your feeling about, you know, where the personalized healthcare and, and genomics and all of that, if you feel really optimistic about making it to, you know, a lot more people. I I do. And I'll tell you what we're doing there. So first of all, whenever you have innovation, when it comes to things like pricing and access, there's always chaos. So, and here's an example of chaos. When the, when we first started working, like I said, people were paying thousands of dollars and that's just what it was. Then we got to a point where it was like $2,000 and we found out some clinic in Silicon Valley was selling our product for $100,000 and people were paying happily. Like the same exact thing. They're paying us $2,000 and they were selling because that's what they thought it was worth. And that's what they thought these people were willing to pay. Here's your human guide, right? Here's your instruction manual. So when you're, when things are new, there's chaos. Then they normalize, right? Then the, everyone gets out there. They start to hear, they start to understand. So at, at current, it's like a $500 test. And by the way, I mean, I should extend this. Anyone that's listening, we'll create some kind of promo code so your audience gets a discount. Don't pay retail. We'll, we'll make sure we do that for everybody, right? If you're interested in it, for, first of all. But my intention is what you said, that we first educated the biohacking community, who was the first people that were sort of ready. Then we educated the functional medicine community because they were like, well, we want solutions that treat the root cause. We don't want to mask symptoms anymore. Speaking to the primary care MD, that's still far off because that person doesn't even know what this tool is. That per- it's not part of their protocol to to prevent anything, right? It's, it's, you're you're hearing more and more, but the typical primary care MD, it's like here's what your thing is called and here's the pill you need to take, right? So in order to fix that, I think we have to intertwine ourselves in the mainstream healthcare system, and I've actually made a deal to buy a telemedicine company. And that it's funny that I'm talking to you today because we literally are closing it this week. This is one year of work for me to say, here's, we know how to fix all these problems, but we can't reach people because we're blocked by medical care. And medical care says that this is not in our toolkit. We can't use it. So I said, okay, I'll become medical care. And I'll open the reimbursable telemedicine platform that anybody anywhere in the city, any city and anywhere in the country can call into that's licensed in all 50 states. And so it took me like a year to grind and figure out how to do that and build it. But we did it. And we're literally closing this week. And my intention is maybe a couple of years from now that the DNA testing is just free Mm -hmm. and everybody should have their human instruction manual decoded. and. To me, that's when I've actually accomplished something of impact and like all, what drove me to do this. That's what I see as the outcome. Every single person has their DNA tested because it's just free. And there's a clinic that knows what to do about it. And you don't have to be sick. That's my goal. And we're, we just started that this week because now we have the telemedicine. You know, it's funny when I listen to this, it, it, like it makes me feel so 
you know, optimistic. And, and to be honest, I talked to a lot of, you know, general practitioners as well as naturopaths. And what is happening is you're seeing more general practitioners going, listen, I'll, I'll take only cash pay, but then yeah. I'm going to spend more time with my patients. I'm going to do personalized medicine. We're going to try to solve problems, not just fix symptoms. And we're seeing the same thing over and over. Like you said, it's sort of three or four things that are causing most of the, the issues, even mental health issues, GI issues, cancer, diabetes. It is this chronic inflammation. It is mitochondrial dysfunction, all these things. So it, it makes me really hopeful. On the weird side, though, you start hearing about like CRISPR and CRISPR babies. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like with genomics or genomics, it's like for you where like it's a, it is kind of a fine line, right? Of, yeah, you know, helping people versus I'm going to design a perfect baby, you know? Yeah. It's just like any tool you can use it for anything, depending what your motivations are. Right. The Internet's a great place to be. It's also hell, depending where you are. And, And this is what we're finding in this industry, too, is there's people that are building things that take a condition that doesn't need to happen and telling you that it can be treated genetically. And now you still need to be hooked on this treatment. The the challenge is we have an insurance-based healthcare model, right? And the insurance-based healthcare model requires people to be sick or it's not profitable. There has to be enough volume. It's a $4 trillion healthcare industry, by the way. 90%, this is according to the CDC. So it's probably a a much worse number, but the CDC says that 90% of our healthcare spend is on chronic disease of four so three point six trillion dollars, which is absolutely not necessary. It's one hundred percent preventable if you understood why those things happen, and that's the challenge. How do you go up against a three point six trillion dollar elephant? Mm-hmm. Right. So we're doing it by intertwining ourselves into the system and doing it in the way that the system wants it done. But ultimately, I think there's just so much business to be had for those guys if they want to in healing people as opposed to maintaining their illness right? The economics speak to it. Employers can't handle their medical bills anymore. I think Warren Buffett said the single greatest choke on the American economy is healthcare costs right now. You know, so it has to be fixed. Yeah. I kind of love it. It's almost like somebody who went too far between like healthcare, pharma and the food business. (laughs) They've gone too far and now it's like, okay, well, maybe we should pull it back. So is there anything in, in just kind of wrapping it up, is there anything that's shown up for you that really surprised you in this research? Whether it's the way, you know, in the testing of the genes or even for you personally, is something really been like, oh, wow, that, I didn't even expect that? Yeah, I would say the biggest area where we weren't expecting to fix it was mental health and mood and behavior and how easy it was to fix. So I'm not a clinician, I'm not a scientist. I'm a guy that came from the outside and saw a tool that was being underutilized. And I now talk to suicidal people who within one phone call are fine. Why? Because what I've learned about mental health and mood and behavior is that every single anxiety, depression, addiction, burnout problem is actually someone who was given a God-given gift of a superpower that is in the wrong context. That same thing that's making them feel horrible would make them feel absolutely incredible if they were in a context aligned to what they were designed for. And this is how we now treat uh, mental health and mood and behavior. We don't believe in it. Yes, there are some people that have innate 
issues, depression, anxiety that are actual true chemical imbalances. That is a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of the majority of what we're dealing with today. The majority is I feel off because I have this job or I have this environment or this family and I was wired for this. And if I could do this for even five minutes, I would understand what an amazing human I am. Over and over and over and over again. That for me was a big aha moment for like, wow, we didn't even know we were going to fix this. And that's that upcycle too. When you feel better, then you're going to do all these other things better. You will take care exactly. of yourself. You will get out in nature. You'll eat better. You'll do all these things. Do you, because you have a family and all these these things, but you, you're armed with all this information. Do you go back and forth between like observing it and then diving all the way in into the mayhem and craziness of life? Or <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. It's such an interesting perspective. Um, I'm just curious how you, you're bridging that. Well, I didn't realize that until you said it, but yes, constantly. So constantly, me, our business partners, our investors, like all of us now think genetically because we've all understood this stuff. And I'm constantly like doing my thing. Just the other day, we were dealing with our chief marketing officer, right? Me and him were having a conversation. And I told him that this is happening because of the way your brain deals with dopamine. Right? And we had a genetic conversation about why me and him were having a bit of friction and why we were seeing this thing. That, and we were like, oh yeah, that that's actually what's happening here. This is your superpower. You are a deep analytical creature that can't just say yes, that needs to say no, 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 until it's proven to them. I say yes before I've even finished hearing the sentence. Right, and, and that's where we had a bit of friction. And we realized, so you know, I dive in, go into the genome, then step back and say, okay, now let's get back to work. Yeah. Right. And that's constantly happening. Yeah, it must be sort of an interesting thing. So it, in in wrapping it up, if somebody I mean, obviously the DNA company is, you know, in Canada and then the book is the DNA way, but what I'm curious is if somebody's sitting in New Zealand or in Italy and they want to come to the DNA company, what is, what does that process look like? Is it a phlebologist and then the stuff sent in? Like, how does it work? So people get an understanding. So that was one of the key things, again, making it easy to use, right? So it's not a blood draw. It's not going to a lab. We said, how do we make this as easy as possible? So we do ship globally. It's a saliva test. We send you a tube and you spit in it and it lasts six months. So there's no problem, right? So we can ship. The only countries that are a bit problematic are Australia. It still works, but sometimes customs there is a little sticky, so it causes delays. France is a problem. Vietnam, for some reason, is a problem. But these are the few countries. Otherwise, we're shipping globally all the time. You're spitting in a tube, comes back to our lab. We're extracting the DNA, sequencing it as per the way we think. So the interpretation is done by the algorithm. You're then logging into a portal and it kind of looks like Netflix. There's these like tiles you're clicking on and learning stuff. And and you keep learning and you keep sort of advancing what, whatever problem you're trying to solve. You go back, look at your DNA and use that as your guide to solve that problem at a personalized level. Whether it's relationship, food, weight, hormones, whatever. You keep using that tool over and over again. And as we keep learning, we keep updating the portal. So it keep teaches you more, keeps teaching you more also. So is, do they ever, if someone's confused or they want to talk to somebody because they want their hand held or something, do you guys provide another service where they could talk to a live person to walk them through it? Oh yeah, for sure. We have clinical programs. We have functional genomics practitioners that have been trained 
uh, that have seen hundreds of people that are really good at what they do. Some specialize in hormones, some are medical doctors, some are naturopaths, depending what problem we're trying to solve. Uh, and what I believe is if you just want to be the best version of yourself and you want to know what habits to have, the test is enough. It's written in a way where you don't need that help. If there's a clinical issue, hey, my mom had breast cancer. I don't want that. Or I'm just stuck. I can't lose these last 20 pounds. I don't know what's wrong with me. Those types of questions in people's heads, that's where you may decide to work with a practitioner because there's certain clinical things that we know, but we're not allowed to say direct to a consumer just because of regulations. Right. That's That makes a lot of sense. I, uh, I really appreciate just how thoughtful and what a huge undertaking uh, you decided to take on because it, yeah. <laughs> because it's it's yeah. just is such an incredible tool for people and for me I I, I always believe in like oh you got to work and all these things but this idea of using technology this way is really exciting is the updating process like where you keep trying to drill down on things is that is that sort of complex like how are you it's just constantly working with patients to keep learning so we're not adding more genes. We're not researching genes because there's already enough information about that. We're researching what does it mean? What's the interpretation of the gene? And what do we recommend? As a simple example, I just learned very recently that with my dopamine profile, that when I am given resistance to something that I desire, I have a mental crash. So for example, if I come to the team and say, I have this amazing idea, and I'm really excited about it. I say, let's do this. And they say, that's not going to work because of blah, blah, blah. I shut down. I need to take a nap. Right? Literally. And I, that used to happen to me. And my friends would complain that I carb crash randomly. And it, it would be this, it's the, my response. So my body trying to protect me from the cortisol spike and the stress would shut me down. That's part of being a warrior, part of coming from an ancestry of constantly fighting. Right? So that we're constantly learning and we keep updating the algorithm as we learn. Kashif, thank you so much. And if you just remind people all the ways that they can they can find the DNA company and and just to explore it. Sure. Sure. So the book is at thednaway.com. Right. So the DNA way you can pre-order depending when you're listening to this. You know, it's it's there. Uh, it's coming out uh, in May. And the the website is thednacompany.com. But like I promised you, uh, don't pay retail. Maybe we'll make a forward slash Gabby. So I'll get that ready. So the DNA copy, sorry, the DNA company.com forward slash Gabby. And we'll make sure that there's a discount for you at checkout. So once you get to the end, you'll see something built in there. And those are the two places. If you want to see more from me, we're constantly posting stuff on Instagram, teaching whatever we know. It's uh, K-A-S-H, K-H-A-N official. That's me on Instagram. And we're, there's there's always stuff going up there. And, and then finally, if someone, if you if their test comes in, is it like a month? Is it two months? Like how long is it until they can start to dive into, yeah. into their It's results? about a month. It's about a month right now. Um, yeah. If it's like Christmas season, it's a little bit longer, right? The, our lab shuts down for two or three weeks. What's so our one time a year we clean up. So it can be a little otherwise during the year. It's usually about a month. That's great. Well, uh, thank you so much. And I, I'm going to be honest, as somebody who has really been pretty diligent about getting their blood work done and sort of paying attention to certain things, I do have things um, with my own. I naturally have incredibly high cholesterol, like weirdly high. I have my okay. whole life since I started getting my blood work done. But I also know we joke because your brain is really cholesterol, you know, it's like weighted by cholesterol. Yes. So 
my husband's always like, oh, maybe that's why you're so smart. I go, okay, sure. Um, but <laughs> I, it really motivated me to, to see some other stuff. So I, I'm looking forward to doing this myself. And what I'll do is I'll, sh- I'll share it with everybody after. But thank you so much, Cash, for just this incredible work. I really appreciate it. And thanks for joining me. No, today. thank you. Pleasure. And it was great talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to learn more, there is a ton of valuable information on my website. Head to the link in the show notes and click gabbyreese.com to find a full breakdown with helpful links to studies, research, books, products, and more. If you have any questions for my guests or even myself, please send them to at gabbyreese on Instagram. If you feel inspired, please hit the follow button, leave a rating, and a comment. It not only helps me, it really helps the show grow and reach new listeners. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.